Hey there, welcome back to the Path of Zion podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. The hour is interesting, is it not? I believe it's time to be sober. It's time to be alert. It's time to be aware. It's not time to be silly. It's not time to be goofy. It's not time to be making jokes about viruses and if they're real or not, friends. This is no time. This is no time to be juvenile. This is no time to be foolish men. This is time to be like legit watchmen on the wall. The purpose within the pestilence is the series. Oh my gosh, I finished one page, y'all. Finished one page. We're starting part three. Oh Lord, help us. Okay, I said we're going to look at some different word studies. There's some things I mentioned in part two um, that I think are very interesting that we have got to get to. I just don't even want to wait. I want to get right to them, okay? Because we have to understand these things, and we're going to try to cover them in right order. In part two, we talked about David's, uh, uh, his admission of his wrongdoing. He even asked specifically for the judgment of the Lord to fall upon himself alone, and that his mercy would spare the people from his own mistake, from his error. That alone, we could stop right there, and that, could, that should send every one of us to our faces. I pray that it does do that. It has done that in me. It has changed the posture of my heart. And you know what? It should. Mature spiritual men stand up and say, you know what? Me first. Me first. Not me first, the best seat. Not me first, I want to speak a sermon today. Not me first, best parking spot in the church parking lot. Me first, I am a man of iniquity. I am a man of iniquity. Me. That's a true mature spiritual man. Let's be those, shall we? So we're going to look at some specific words. This is very interesting, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up something that might kind of surprise some of you. It surprised me. Please give your full attention to this. I mean, seriously. If you got kids running around and, and like one earbud in and like the TV in another, I'm telling you, turn everything off and give this your ear, please. This could change our entire lives as, and our perspective towards why in the world we are seeing an hour of pestilence on the earth. So pestilence in the scriptures for the most part is this word, dever, D-E-B-E-R. It's Hebrew, dever. Please note that it's Strong's number 1698, okay? 1698. It means destroying plague, dever, pestilence. It's in the scripture 47 times. One time, dever is plague. But for the most part, 47 times, pestilence is this dever. In 1 Kings, it appears just for, I mean, I gathered all these. We can't go through all of them. Pestilence and plague both appear in 1 Kings 8.37, but plague there is different. It's called negah, and it's directly re- related to negef, which is a disease, a wound. It was called that in leprosy. So plague can be a different word, this um, where is it? This negef or nega. But for the most part, other than the one time, dever is always pestilence. 
Well, what in the world does that matter, right? Okay, well, we're going to get to that. Because very interestingly, as I just told you, Dever is 1698. If you know anything about the Hebrew language, and I'm learning myself, my wife and son are learning Hebrew. They talk some of it. They know the letters. I'm beginning to learn some myself, just gleaning from what they're learning in much greater measure. Praise the Lord, I'm in a congregation of people who study the Hebrew text in like the, the, the one million layers buried within the text and the language that God chose to reveal himself through. It's incredible. It is incredible. I'm up here. I'm, I'm up on the, I'm on the first floor, and there's, there's 100,000 basements, okay? <laughs> so 1698 is de pestilence. Guess what 1697 is? Devar. So we have 1698, Dever, 1697, Davar. Davar is speech saying utterance. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like when, even in the text that we just read now, in 2 Samuel, when the word of the Lord comes to Gad, when the word of the Lord comes to the seer prophet to speak to David, guess what the word is? Dever, a speech, a saying, an utterance. And it is one number away from Dever. Pestilence. And I would submit to you, can they in fact be almost synonymous? At the very least, very, very, very related. So back when I started this at part one and I said, I'm hearing all these people say what we need to do because God is silent. I say, friends, that's a lie. I would say in, in, in absolute confidence, as sure as I'm walking around here, looking at these papers in my Bible, that is a lie. I'm saying, what is the purpose within the pestilence? For those who have ears to hear, to hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is coming through the pestilence. I'm convinced. That's the primary crux of why I even did this study. In the first day and a half, I ended up through another brother helping me connect some Hebrew stuff, that those two are one number away from one another. Look, you don't have to be a Hebrew scholar to understand that Daver and Davar sound almost the same. <laughs> Speech saying word. It is word in Hebrew. One number away from pestilence and destroying plague. Habakkuk 3, 5 and 6. Before him, before Yahweh God, right? Okay, before him went the dever, the pestilence. Burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and he measured the earth. He beheld and he drove asunder the nations and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. Why? His ways are everlasting. His ways are everlasting. So friends, we have better be careful. We are not separating the word of the Lord and, and the pestilence from the hand of the Lord and calling them different. 
I'm telling you, is it possible? I'm submitting to you today as a spiritual man to ask the question, are they in fact the same? Can we give ourselves, I'm convinced myself, but I'm proposing to you to think and ask the question, could it be that the word of the Lord is coming through the pestilence? So I say that, and I step back, and I address things in, in, in this exact culture right now, this second, is of all the Christian believers who are declaring in every way they know how, we have got to pray this away. We've got to pray this away. And again, I said this in a previous episode days ago, I am not coming against the prophets of the hour who are saying they've had dreams and visions where we quote the verse, if we humble ourselves and pray, and the, I'm not opposing that in any way, but I'm saying we had better be careful that we know that this is in fact for sure what the Lord is saying. Because listen, any everyday prophet that does not hear the word of the Lord can look at this natural situation and say, this is not good. This is bad. People are sick. People are dying. We must make this go away. We must pray. We must fall on our knees and and say, in the name of Jesus, go away. This is the devil. This is the devil. Bad devil. Bad sickness. It has to go. Friends, I'm just telling you, I I cannot find clarity and peace in doing that in my house. I can't find a place of peace in doing that. When I come before the Lord and I myself ask him for mercy, I ask him for compassion, I do this pattern that I'm seeing, David. Oh, God, I am a man of unclean lips. I am a man of iniquity. I have been a man for the majority of my life in absolute rebellion, and I deserve your judgment. I deserve your pestilence. But show mercy. Yes and amen, of course. But we had better be careful. We're not just instantly branding this bad or good. American Christians have such a juvenile perspective of like we see it in good guy, bad guy with violence and nonviolence and self-preservation. We see it in self-defense. I believe it's all the same pattern. We just, if we're not careful, any one of us, myself included, of course, if that even needs stated, we can look at everything and just look at it according to our natural understanding and say, people are hurting, people are afraid, people are sick and dying, this must be the devil. But let's look at the text in the Word of God and understand that they may be the same. The devil, the great adversary, and the hand of the Lord, the word of God. We see a biblical pattern. I'm telling you, friends, do a simple topical word study. Sit down, whether you use an actual book, which is a Bible, which I would say do that. There's something within that. Do a Bible app. I don't care. Do a search for pestilence and just start scrolling. Start scrolling. The hand of the Lord brought about pestilence. And the pestilence came from Yahweh. And God said, let there be pestilence. And pestilence, as we just read, went before him. Friends, we have better be careful that we're not fighting against the hand of God in the nations. We had better be so careful we are not praying against the very word of the Lord coming to humanity. Why? 
Because we know it's prophesied that every kingdom of men must fall and must get to their knees and see that there is a kingdom and a king and every other thing will be laid low. And only those in Yeshua Messiah, the king of that unseen kingdom, will be preserved, will be safe, will be delivered. And we don't, I'm not talking delivered in the natural now. This is what I've been talking about for months. I'm not talking about preserving my natural body. So, Joel, are you saying that, like, you believe in spiritual immunity? You and your household cannot get coronavirus? Listen, friends, that's so down here. That's first grade. That's first grade talk. Whether I get it or whether I am supernaturally superhuman well, that's not the point. My life is not dictated by what comes to this physical body. I'm always talking about Paul and Silas in the prison. They were already free when the earthquake, earthquake came and broke their shackles and bust open the doors. They did not need the hand of the Lord to come and make them physically free because they were already free. I'm already free. Mankind, principalities and powers cannot touch the hidden recesses of my spirit man that is into the mountain of God, hidden with Christ in God the Father. You can't harm me there. A virus cannot harm me in that place. I am already delivered. I'm already free. So we've got to ask ourselves, what is our heart's position towards these matters and put towards possibly saying the word of the Lord and the pestilence from the hand of the Lord are in fact the same. What if they're the same? We have got to know before we just start doing our Christian duty to pray bad things away. Oh God, yes, show man mercy. Oh yes, man, we're doing that. Show us mercy, God. We deserve this, oh God. Yes and amen, of course we're deserving. But, God, if this is from your hand, if this pestilence is from your hand, oh God, let it come. And take me further and further into you so that my identity is completely lost into you. Why? Let's go back to part one. Because him who loses his life for the sake of Messiah finds it. What if we can find our lives in this pestilence, friends? What if we can find the reason that we exist within the word of the Lord coming through the pestilence? All right, let's get back to the scripture. 2 Samuel 24, we're back there. We're going to flip and flop back and forth. So the Lord sends the pestilence upon Israel, destroying. The angel comes and wipes out all these people. David falls on his face again, says, oh God, it's me. I did it. Be against me, oh God. Things begin to turn. God's already relented. God's already told them, hey, it's okay. Angel, whoosh, scale back. Relent. So Gad came to David that day, and he said to him, go up. Erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arunah, the Jebusite. And David went up according to the word of Gad, just as the Lord had commanded. 
And Erunah looked down and saw the king and his servants crossing over towards him. And Erunah went out and bowed his face to the ground. Why? Well, man, the king's coming up here. Here's the king. Erunah said in verse 21, Why has the Lord the king come to me? Why are you here? David says, to buy the threshing, pl- the threshing floor from you. I'm going to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be held back from the people. Y'all, man, right now, I'm telling you, I feel like this series could be 20 parts and I'm not even kidding. Oh my gosh. Second <sighs> Samuel 24, verse 21. David, why are you here? Oh, great king. I'm just your servant. What are you doing here? He says, I'm here to buy the threshing floor from you. Oh, gosh. I need to build an altar to the Lord. Why? So that the plague may be held back from the people. And Arunah said to David, in summary, well, man, if this is good to you, all the oxen and all these things here, just have it. Just take it all. I'll give it to you, O great king. May the Lord your God accept you. May he receive what? The act that you're doing to build him a, 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 a house on this place, in this location. But the king said to Aronah, the owner of the threshing floor, No, I will surely buy it from you for a price. For I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord, and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus, because David bought the threshing floor for a price, and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, because of this, Yahweh God, the Lord, was moved by entreaty for the land. And what happened? After the Lord was moved by entreaty for the land, the plague was held back from Israel. Friends, if you're not listening, tune in right now. Threshing floor throughout the scripture shows us divine judgment. It shows us sifting. It shows us separating. The word in the Hebrew is goren. Goren. It's used from a word mean, a root meaning that means to smooth. A threshing floor, an open area, can be relative to a barn, a place that's leveled and made smooth. In Ruth chapter 3, an interesting thing, if you want to spend more time looking into it, Ruth meets Boaz on the Goren where he's working. Some interesting pictures in there. I, I don't have time. And most importantly, we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 3 that it is no mere coincidence that the location of the threshing floor becomes where Solomon's temple would be built. So put on your spiritual thinking, please. So we have a pestilence come to the land. A judgment. 
synonymous with the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, if nothing else, buried within the pestilence, within the judgment, causing what? Sifting, separating. It demands an action that separates what is from what is not, from what is good and worth keeping, and from what will go out and be burned. And what happens, friends? Second Chronicles chapter 3, Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah. Well, where is that? Where's Mount, Mount Moriah in Jerusalem? Where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Arunah. Some versions say Ornan, the Jebusite. And he, David, began to build in the second day of the second month in the fourth year of his reign. Friends, do you understand this principle that I'm saying the word of God, I believe, is desiring to cry out to us here today in 2020? Judgment is coming. Judgment is now here. And it is synonymous with the word of the Lord going forth into the nations and into his people. For any who would listen, for any who would hear, for any who would respond, like David did and said, you know what? Me first. I'm a man of unclean lips. It is because of me that this judgment has come. I repent. I turn. Oh God, show me mercy. Spare the rest of them. Relent. Turn. Please, oh God. The pestilence comes. In great measure, thousands and thousands and thousands of people die. Lose their lives. Real people now. Real people. People are freaking out here over 1,000 or 2,000, right? It may get worse. David responds in humility and in brokenness. And he says, you know what? Put it on me, God. Put it on me. Can we just barely press the gas a tiny bit into David's Messiah-esque qualities for a mere moment? Have you thought about that? About what Yeshua, the King, capital K, came and did on our behalf to say, you know what? Hey, make it about me, Father. Put it all on me. Please spare them. Deliver them. Put it all on me. You know what? That's what men in Messiah do today. That's what real spiritual men do today. Hey, hey, God, I will stand in. I will take the blame. I will be responsible. Lord, show your people mercy. Show them mercy, O oh great God. And so after this threshing, after at a, at a great price now, after a cost is paid, a price is paid, Because it could have been given to David. He said, no, I will pay the price. I'm not going to offer sacrifices on this site unto the Lord for free. It's by my own will, by my own purposes, I will establish a payment and a cost. I will pay the price at this place in order to be found pleasing to my father. Nobody's going to give this to me. I will pay a price. This has to cost me something. The New Testament Greek for threshing floor, just for something for you to chew on. Helon. Helon. A place for threshing after the harvest. 
Grain was threshed out. We see Yeshua talk about it in Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. I'm going to go all the way down because I do not have time. He's talking about the wheat and the tares, the grains. What about the weeds, they say? He says, let them both grow together until when? Until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers to collect the weeds first, tie them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, a barn, again, just something for you to look into, is this apotheke. Apotheke. Look into that. This storehouse where what is real, what is desirable, what is worth harvesting is gathered. Both in Matthew and in Luke, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. The latch of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with what? With the Holy Spirit and with fire. He has a fan in his hand and he will purge what? He will purge his floor. He will purge his floor. It's the same word. He will purge his goren, the threshing floor. And what will he do then? He will gather, he will gather the wheat into his Garner, his apotheke, his barn, his storehouse, and the chaff will be burned. I'm just trying to set this premise that, again, the new and the old are absolutely congruent. They are, they are completely the same, fulfilling the same thing. Again, Yeshua didn't come and undo everything. He's saying, look, y'all, I'm the fulfillment and culmination of every single thing that preceded me about how Yahweh God, my Father, dealt with His people. But now you come through me. I'm the slain lamb. I am the ultimate sacrifice. You come through me. You come through me and you what? You walk as I walked. You do what I'm doing. I'm leaving and someone greater is coming to indwell you to walk in the same way I walked, to do and fulfill all these things that I've taught you according to what? According to the law and the prophets. A prophecy in Joel chapter 2 speaks of an age to come where the trumpet's going to be blown in Zion. An alarm will sound. In verse 23 and verse 24 specifically, the prophet states this, quote, Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice and Adonai your God. For He is giving you the right amount of rain in the fall. He makes the rain come down for you. Latter rain, former rain, fall rain, spring rain. This is what He does first. Then the Goren. Then the threshing floor will be full of grain and the vats will overflow with wine and olive oil. So this threshing floor is owned by Erunah. Erunah, the Jebusite, some say Ornan, his name means shout for joy, joyful shouting. So listen, y'all. This threshing floor may have seemed like nothing, but God ordained it from the beginning of time to be owned by a man whose name meant joyful shouting. Joy in the threshing, in the separating. And again, let's stay fluid with what we're talking about. Let's kind of move about safely within the context of these verses we're looking at in 2 Chronicles and 2 Samuel. 1 Chronicles, excuse me. What are we establishing? A pattern. A purpose within the pestilence. 
Because the threshing floor comes into play in this account after the, well, I mean, in okay, so God stays the hand of the angel. The pestilence is seemingly, if we have to go along to the text, it seems it's merely paused. Because the reason David purchases the threshing floor is to erect the house of the Lord, which leads to the plague being held back from Israel in verse 25 at the end of chapter 24. I would say right here, right now, please listen. I want to try this, try to say this in a summary, and we'll get to this again in later parts. There is a pattern here for any who would listen and, and to give themselves to, to receive from the word of the Lord. That maybe the word of the Lord and the pestilence are synonymous, which leads us to repentance, which causes us to turn and go and pay a great price to own a threshing floor, to be sifted, to be separated. Which prepares our hearts, which prepares the people who are willing to endure the threshing, the separating, to be made smooth. And only those who do that, and only those who pay that price, and only those who go into Yeshua Messiah who has perfectly fulfilled that, will be prepared to build the house of the Lord, and thereby in this age be it. There is a pattern. David said he would not offer sacrifices that cost him nothing. He was willing to pay the price. He paid 50 shekels of silver. I'm going to say that, this part here, and then we're going to end this part, and we'll move into what I believe is part four. I asked myself, why 50 shekels of silver? Did some studying. Well, interestingly, I found that in Deuteronomy 22, verse 29, it tells us that the price for one, and I'm going to speak this in a, in a family-friendly version, it was the price that one had to pay who took a girl for his own pleasure, a young virgin, outside of marriage. If a man did that, he was caught, and he had to pay the girl's father recompense of 50 shekels of silver. That's in Deuteronomy 22.29. In other words, if a man took advantage of a young woman outside of marriage, he had to pay the father 50 shekels of silver. He could never divorce her. There's several things in there. I'm saying, could it at least be possible now? Because Scripture is all intertwined and all interconnected. Is it possible that David knew of this and by example is saying that he knew he himself had wrongly harmed the people of Israel without their consent? He had taken advantage of them without being within the right order of God. So therefore, again, is it possible he paid 50 shekels of silver, the same amount in order to purchase the threshing floor, because he knew he likewise had taken advantage of an innocent people. And recompense had to be made to the Father. I'm just saying, is that possible? I believe this is all, all interconnected. So we're going to continue on. Coming up, part four. The purpose within the pestilence. Amen.